The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Father, for your love. We thank you, Father, that you are a great and mighty God. We thank you that you are at work in these days. We thank you for your divine purposes. We thank you that your purposes are to help us, to strengthen us, to encourage us. Thank you, Lord, that your plans for us are to prosper us, not to harm us. Lord, despite all of the confusion around us, we put our faith in you. We put our confidence in you. We declare that you are the Almighty One. We declare that you are the unchangeable I am. We declare that you are the greatest power in all of the universe. You are the one who has defeated the powers of darkness through the cross. And we come to you, Lord, to say we love you. We thank you for your help. We thank you for your guidance. We thank you that you are with us to help us as we walk day by day into the future. So Lord, be with us now. Let the glory of your presence fill this place. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. We're starting a new series this morning, The Life and Legacy of Peter. Um, We're looking at his life. We're going to be looking at Peter being a disciple of Jesus. We're going to be looking at the fact of Peter being involved in the establishment of the church and what we read of him in Acts. And we're also going to be looking at his letters, Peter 1 and 2, the two letters that he wrote to churches, looking at what he is leaving with us, the legacy that he leaves with us. So we're trying to get an understanding of his life and we're starting to get an understanding of his teaching so that we can see this man who has transformed from a fisherman to a fisher of men to see that transformation and to see how God also can transform us and to help us. So often we think that it's not possible for God to help us. He helps others, but not me. But I've come here to declare to you this morning that God is for you, not against you. He is the lifter of your head. He is the lover of your soul. He is your shield and he is at your right hand. And he is here to lift you up and to strengthen you. So I want you to be encouraged this morning. The first thing I want to say If you haven't heard of Peter before, we need to start with something that he starts off with the name Simon. It's confusing. So if I mention the word Simon and later the word Peter, I hope I'll show you that transition. But if I get caught out at any point, we're talking about the same person. He had a name change. In fact, this morning's uh, title is this, New Name, New Start, Encountering Jesus. Simon had a brother called Andrew, and both of these brothers were fishermen. They lived and they worked in Bethsaida, which is right on the shore of the Lake Galilee. They had a working relationship with two other men, James and John. They were the sons of Zebedee. They were also fishermen and they lived and worked in this same region. So this is where his boats would have been pushed out into that water and they would have fished in that water. The lake contains all types of fish, tilapia, carp, uh, catfish, um, sardines, those sorts of things. It's a freshwater lake. In actual fact, it's the largest freshwater lake in Israel. It's 64 square miles in size. It's hot in summer, very hot in summer, getting as high as uh, up into the high 30s. So you'd imagine working actually in that sort of environment. It's hot and sweaty. 
There's two months, basically winter and summer. Uh, and in the winter, well, it doesn't get that cold. I mean, you can still have days of 20 degrees going down to like 8 degrees centigrade. So it's still a warm environment. So it's a hot place. And you can imagine working on the boat, you'd be getting hot and sweaty uh, and uh, all that sort of stuff. Simon, Simon was married. We know that because later on in the Gospels, we read of Jesus going to heal his mother-in-law. And if he had a mother-in-law, then we can be fairly uh, certain that he was married. So that just gives a little bit of background about Simon as we start. But I want to go straight into looking at John the Baptist. I want to take us back to the time of John the Baptist. Here's a man in Israel. John the Baptist is his name. He's causing a stir. He's going around different neighborhoods and he's preaching. That whole area that I talked about, the River Jordan, linking those two lakes, then he's baptizing people in the River Jordan. He's somewhat strange. He goes around wearing this sort of camel hair cloak and it's sort of pulled in with a a leather belt around the middle and he's eating uh, locusts and wild honey is what the Bible says. So look, whoa, it's a bit strange. There's something about this guy and yet there's also something about him that Everybody is attracted to. He is preaching with authority and with fire. And as he's preaching, and he's preaching a strong message. In fact, the message that he is preaching carries an urgency about it. And it's this, that people need to repent because there's a coming wrath. So he's preaching a message of urgency with a cutting edge about it. And this message carried accountability with it. Because it was like, look, if you've repented, you're hearing what I'm saying. But if you've repented then you need to show that repentance by the works of your life. There needs to be fruit that accompanies the fact that you're saying that I have repented. Something needs to shift in your life. It needs to show in your life. So there was accountability. It wasn't a wishy-washy message. It was one that confronted people head on, as it were. John said this, listen, he said, every tree, every tree that does not produce good fruit is going to be cut down and thrown into the fire. And so he was emphasizing that God was coming with his wrath and that we needed to repent and be ready, be changed, if that was happening. As people heard this message, they were saying, well, what must we do? Let me read to you from Luke chapter 3, 10 to 14. What should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. Anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors come to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money. Don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. So John was preaching this message, and people were being stirred. What have I got to do? How do I change my life? And he was coming and telling them, look, you need to change these things. He was bringing the Word of God to people in an authoritative and challenging way. And as John was going around, his teaching required that if you're making a response, then you need to be baptized in water. Hence his name, John the Baptist. And as I said, he was baptizing people in the River Jordan, which was there. So by doing this, people were making a public statement to everybody else. Hey, I've heard this teaching. I'm responding to this teaching, and look, I'm going to get baptized. You're seeing that something's happening. I'm standing for something. Now watch God do a change in my life. That's what people were saying and doing. Now, it's interesting that despite the confrontational and hard-hitting nature 
of John's message, it, the Bible reports this, Matthew 3, verses 5 to 6. It says, people went out to him from Jordan, from Jerusalem, I beg your pardon, from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the river Jordan. And all the time John was continuing with his message of repentance, he also kept saying to his listeners this, Matthew 3.11, I baptize you with water, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John had felt God speak to him. And he was told this, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So John knew that and was carrying that as he went about giving his messages. He was waiting. He was watching for that day when that message would come to pass. And then there was a day. There was a day when he was baptizing his cousin Jesus. He's taken Jesus down into the water. There have been some, do I really need to baptize you? Look, says Jesus, I want to be baptized. So John takes him into the water. John puts him under the water. John is bringing him up out of the water. As he brings Jesus up out of the water, so he sees the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove come down and remain on him. The word that he saw had been fulfilled. This is an amazing situation. And when he saw that happen, from that time onwards, John the Baptist, every time he saw Jesus, he would point to him and say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now I want to jump now from this whole scene. And I want you to imagine what's been going on. Everything that's been happening in Israel. I want to jump now to Andrew. Because Simon's brother Andrew was one of those who had been a disciple of John the Baptist. He'd been one of those that had been caught up in this whole scene. He'd been one of those who'd been listening to these messages. He was one of those who, with John, saw John say, Behold, this is the Lamb of God. And you know what? Andrew and his friend, another disciple of John's, when they heard John say that, they went after Jesus. And they spoke to Jesus. And they ended up spending the whole day with Jesus. And you can imagine what that was like. Questioning him, talking to him, discovering things about him. It must have been an exciting day because you know what? Before that day was out, or I believe it's the same day, Andrew comes back from that day and he goes straight away to find his brother, Simon. He says, Simon, you've got to come. We have found the Messiah. We found him who everybody's been waiting on. I don't know what Simon's impression was this moment. I don't know what had been happening when they'd been out fishing. I don't know the things that have been said. You can just imagine, can't you? They're going out for another morning's fishing. Andrew's with his brother, casting the nets out. And you can imagine Andrew, Andrew, Andrew going, Simon, Simon, you should hear. You should hear what John the Baptist was saying last night. You should hear what he's saying. You know, we need to change. You need to change, Simon. You can imagine that. Oh, for goodness sake, Andrew, I've had enough of this. But something had happened in those conversations. Because now Andrew, his brother, was here excited. And he's taking hold of Simon. He's saying, Simon, you've got to come. We found the one. And there's something about that passion, I believe, and that excitement that drew Simon to say, okay, look, I'll come. And so Simon goes 
with Andrew and they meet Jesus. I've jumped ahead of myself slightly in here, so don't worry about that. Um, And when he comes to Jesus, so they're approaching Jesus, or they've just been introduced, or maybe not introduced, they're just approaching Jesus, because as they get to where Jesus was, Jesus looks at Simon, and he says this, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which means rock, and is the Aramaic for Peter. So it's like, what? What's all this? Out of nowhere, he's heard all sorts of stuff from his brother. Now he comes to meet Jesus, and Jesus is to say, I know who you are. This is who you are. But you're not going to be called that anymore. You are going to be called the rock. What sort of an encounter was that? <laughs> you can almost imagine. I don't know. What do I say? Do I, do I say, oh, thank you very much, or, you know, what does that mean, or do we say, like, see you tomorrow, or, or what? What an encounter, but an encounter that left an impression. Now, interestingly enough, I think that statement, and I'm basically talking to you here from the Gospel of John, what it says in, in there, actually, I believe this is the first encounter that Simon Peter had with Jesus. And I believe as you look into the other Gospels and you see them giving the understanding of the gathering of the first disciples, I think that happened after this. Because if we were to go to Luke's Gospel, in Luke's account, Luke tells of how Jesus was come down to the shore of Galilee and he starts preaching and teaching to the gathered disciples there. And actually there's so many people there on the side of the lake that he sees there's the two fishermen and two boats and he goes to the boats and it's Simon's boat that he gets in. You can almost see like, okay, I know this guy. Oh yeah, I know Jesus. All right, yeah, you can borrow my boat because Simon and Andrew are washing their nets and sorting their nets out. So Jesus gets in Simon's boat and he pushes out from the, 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 the side of the shore just a little bit and then he preaches to all the crowd that are gathered there and he's got a much better perspective of everybody. So he sits in the boat and teaches them and then he finishes the teaching and the crowds start to go. But he gets back to the boat and he comes to Simon and he says to Simon, hey, put out your boat into the deep water for a catch. And Simon says, uh, we have been fishing all night. You know, they've been up all night, they've done that, they've come back, they've caught nothing. And you can imagine, okay, we come back, we're just sorting out our nets, we're going to go home and get a bit of sleep. But they've seen all this stuff with Jesus. And then Simon just says this, but because you say so, I will put out into the deep water. So Andrew and Simon, they push out, they go out into the deep water and they put down their nets. And as they put their net down, let me just read to you, Luke 5, verses 6 to 10. When they had done so, that's put out into the deep water, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners... James and John, who also had their boat on the shore, they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell on his knees. And he said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished 
at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partner. They get back to the shore. Jesus says this. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore and left everything and followed him. We've been fishing all night and caught nothing. I know this guy because he's, he knows my name. He's called me Rock and all this sort of stuff. There is something about him. I'm not sure, I, I, I'm not sure what it is about him. But there's something about him. You want to use my boat? Okay. Yeah, yeah, fine. That's okay. We're doing this. We'll keep an eye on you. And now you're telling us to go and fish. Oh, we'll just please him, whatever. He's a preacher. I'm a fisherman. But you see, that's when the two collide. And when that net went down into the water, the fisherman was overwhelmed at what the preacher could do. This is no ordinary man. This is no ordinary man. And you can see now this encounter of the name change. Not only had he had his name changed, but he was having his life turned upside down as well. And so now when Jesus says to him, hey, let's forget the fishing business. I want you to come and be my disciples. Yeah, there's an element of like, wow, what does this mean? You know, it says that, that Peter is afraid. What does this mean? Because I'm giving everything up. Hey, don't be afraid. From now on, you are going to be a fisher of men. Folks, have you encountered Jesus? Have you ever met Jesus? Has somebody you know tried to introduce you to Jesus? Have you had some knowledge of him but never really met with him? Jesus transforms lives. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're not just talking about what he did. We're talking about what he can do. And he can transform your life. But the question is, have you met with him and do you want to meet with him? Has somebody been going on and giving it all this and like, oh, for goodness sake, maybe you young people, something of your parents are always saying, this is what you need to do. I'm asking you, have you had an encounter with the living God? Have you had an encounter with him? Because he wants to come and meet with you. And you know what? Just for Simon, Simon's leaving things. Simon's walking away from things. Simon doesn't know quite what the future holds. Simon doesn't know how it's all going to work out. Simon hasn't read the rest of this book yet. Not where I'm at. We're going to find out more. But he had an encounter with Jesus that changed his name and changed his life. Now, I'm not necessarily saying you've got to change your name, but I can guarantee you this. Encountering Jesus will transform your life. Because he loves you, he cares for you, and he wants to move you on from where you are to where he wants you to be. New name, new start, encountering Jesus. So next week we're going to hear a little bit more. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning. Or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com